You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. Before we look at the text this morning, just want to um, let you know um, the, the, the pastors have asked Chris Brown to take a few weeks off for health reasons. If you need more details, just go um, ask one of them. We're not trying to hide anything um, or, or be deceptive in any way. A lot of times that's the question whenever we give a brief announcement uh, that's, that's, that's just a health issue, um, probably related to stress. Uh, we would ask you to uh, not try to contact him, give him some space for a few weeks, uh, pray for him. If you'd like to do something for him, uh, give, send him a, a card, send him a note, send him a, a gift card, send him cash, uh, send him a meal, uh, but just encourage them, if you will, over the next uh, four or five weeks. Uh, we want to make sure that our, our brother is healthy. In the meantime, if you have a question, check with one of the other pastors or other leaders in our church. We've got a lot of folks that um, have stepped up to serve in, in his absence so that we can give him this space. And so um, if you need something, don't call him. Um, call one of the other pastors or one of the other leaders here in our church this morning, and we certainly would appreciate that. Again, if you have any questions, you can come see me or any of the other pastors, and we can, uh, we can let you know. But uh, it is, as I have shared with you um, this morning. We're starting a series on spiritual gifts. And um, I'd like to begin with an illustration um, many of you have heard, or maybe you haven't, maybe you don't keep up with the value of football cards or baseball cards. Um, Tom Brady's rookie card that was signed recently sold for, I think, about $2.5 million. That's pretty valuable. A Pete Rose rookie card today would probably go, based on what I saw listed on the Internet, $200,000, a picture of somebody selling for that much. But when I was a kid, I probably had a Pete Rose Ricky card. But I thought that I had a better use for it because if you would take a clothespin and a baseball card and stick it through the spokes of your bicycle and clasp it to the front or back fork, it sounded like you were riding a motorcycle. There's Chris Brown right there, Chris, after I'm up here talking about you. Good to see you, brother. Um, it sounded like you were riding a motorcycle. The problem was we just didn't understand how valuable baseball cards were. We just didn't understand uh, how valuable football cards were. I've got a footlocker that's got basketball cards, it's got baseball cards, some of them 50 years old. I, I, I've got them sitting there. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm not going to give them to you, so don't ask me. But I really didn't realize at the time how valuable they were. This morning as we talk about spiritual gifts and as we talk about life in the spirit and as we talk about spiritual things, I think those issues are neglected. I think those issues are overlooked. I think those issues are not at play in the church the way they should be because we just don't understand how valuable they are. We just don't understand how valuable spiritual gifts are. We just don't understand how valuable our spiritual life is. We just don't understand how valuable God is. We just don't. 
We have a ton of other things that are higher on the priority list. We just don't understand how valuable God's son is. We don't understand the value of him giving up his life. He bearing our body, our sin in his body on the tree. We don't understand that. We don't understand how valuable the Holy Spirit is. He comes and he lives and he dwells in us and works through us. We don't understand the value of spiritual gifts. We don't understand the value of our spiritual life. We don't understand the value of God. We don't understand the value of Jesus. We don't understand the value of the Spirit. And quite frankly, we don't understand how valuable we are. And I'm not preaching a Joel Osteen message this morning. Um, you need to understand that God the Father sent his Son because you were so valuable to him. We have to understand that Jesus Christ gave up his very life to redeem us. That's how valuable we are to him. And the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And watch this. The work that God intends to do here on this planet through his church will only be done through those who are indwelt by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God. We don't understand how valuable we are in the heart of God or in the plan of God. And so we're going to begin a series this morning on spiritual gifts. We're going to find ourselves primarily in Romans chapter 12, if you would turn in your Bibles there. Um, our failure to value and use spiritual gifts is detrimental to our life, it's detrimental to the church, it's detrimental to the mission of God. There is someone of great value who is dwelling in the life of the believer and his presence and power in and through us is absolutely essential. The Spirit is living and dwelling in every believer and his presence and his power and our understanding what he's trying to do in us is absolutely essential. Romans chapter 3, and if you really want to be a good student, you could go to 1 Corinthians, or Romans chapter 12, or you could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, this morning. Before we start answering some questions from the text, I want to give you a pre-series disclaimer because, quite frankly, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the Holy Spirit. And by the way, anybody that has a view that's contrary to somebody else's view is always the right view, right? How many of us say, yeah, I got a view, but it's the wrong view. I believe your view is right. Um, what I'd like to do is if, if you like to fight over views, I would like to disarm you this morning. I would like to disarm you because we are the body of Christ. And I'll be honest with you, God really doesn't care how smart you are, you are I am. He doesn't care how amazing you are or I am. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure God's concerned about my opinion over what he has said about spiritual gifts. What needs to happen is we need to understand what Scripture says, and we need to say, Lord, I want to experience what your Word says about your spirit. It is not a spiritual thing to be somebody that likes to argue and fight and dispute over every view. That's not spiritual. What's spiritual is when we look at the Word of God and say, Lord, I want that. I want the Spirit to fill me. I want the Spirit to use me. I want to know what life is like in the Spirit. But, but I must give some disclaimers this morning because somebody's saying, hmm, I wonder what he, if he's a cessationist or a continuationist. Because if he's one or the other, I'm not going to listen to him, you know? 
These, some of these folks don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a, a, a few disclaimers. Our goal is not to pick a view or dispel conflicting or opposing views. So just go ahead and set that aside. Secondly, our goal is not to create division in the body of the differing views of spiritual gifts. That's the last thing we need. Our goal is not to create a reaction to those who might create a reaction from those who might take exception to how we present what the scriptures say or what we see in the scriptures. Our goal is not to sort out cessationism or continuationism. Our goal is not to sort out all of the chatter and confusing confusion surrounding the issue of spiritual gifts. Our goal is not to do a comprehensive study on the Holy Spirit. Our goal is not for God's our goal is for God's people to grow in awareness of God's presence and usefulness in God's purpose. Who is the Holy Spirit, and how is he operative in this specific area, in the area of spiritual gifts? That's our goal. Who is the Holy Spirit, and how is he operative in this specific area? There are many other areas. I, I hope, I beg of you this morning, please let that be your heart. Please that, let that be your heart. What is, what is the Spirit of God up to? How can I join him in what he's doing? And how has he gifted me to be used in his church to build up other believers for his glory? So, first question. Um, what does the Spirit do? And I'm not into, I'm not into Romans 12 yet. Um, let me give you four things the Spirit does. And he does many other things. He does many other things. First of all, the Spirit baptizes, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 13. By one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, into his body, the body of Christ. If you are in the body of Christ today, it is because the Spirit of God has baptized you into his body. And from heaven's perspective and from earth's perspective, you are a part of God's people, his, his chosen uh, race, royal priesthood. You are his people. He has taken you out of the world and he's placed you into the body of Christ. You are now, because you're in the body of Christ, connected to every other believer that has placed their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They believe that he lived the life they couldn't live, that he died the death that they deserved to die, and that he rose victorious over an enemy that they could not defeat. He baptizes us into his body if we have rested our hope in Christ and Christ alone. Secondly, the Spirit fills the believer. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I, I believe that we get as much as we will ever get of the Holy Spirit when we are believers, but the issue of sanctification is the Holy Spirit getting more of us. So we are filled with the Spirit at when we are baptized into the Spirit. That is a work that Christ has done through the Spirit. Fourthly, the Spirit produces fruit. Galatians 5, we know the fruits of the Spirit. We've memorized the fruits of the Spirit. What we failed to see in the fruits of the Spirit is that the fruits of the Spirit are fruit, are, are manifestations that are produced by the Holy Spirit that are relational, that flow out of us toward those who are in the body and toward those that we interact with while we're driving down the interstate or we sit across from at a coffee house. It's the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of us. So the Spirit baptizes, the Spirit fills, the Spirit, there's fruit that He produces, and then the Holy Spirit exercises gifts through the life of the believer. And there are four primary passages that mention that. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 
Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. The Holy Spirit gives gifts or his indwelling presence manifests itself in the form of specific gifts that are supernaturally operative in the life of every believer and are necessary for the health of the body and the pursuit of God's mission through his people. There is an incalculable treasure dwelling in every believer, the Holy Spirit of God, and his presence is in essence the existence of a specific spiritual ability that he has sovereignly assigned to every believer that is absolutely necessary for the church to be healthy and the mission of God to be accomplished. There is not a place of appropriate storage for the Holy Spirit and his gifts. I've got valuable cards that I've placed in a footlocker deep, deep in the basement of my house, and they are in storage. They are valuable, but they're in storage. There is not an appropriate place for us to store the gift of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in our life. The, the Spirit has entered in us because He wants to work through us. And so I would ask you this morning, are you a believer? Secondly, how is the Spirit operative in your life? The question is not, is the Spirit operative in your life? The question is, how is the Spirit operative in your life? Thirdly, what gift has the Spirit of God assigned to you? Fourthly, how are you using His gifts that are a product of His presence and His power inside of you and me? How are we using those gifts in this body? This should matter to every one of us as believers. And if it doesn't matter to you. If you can shelve it or store it or ignore it or put a clothespin on it and stick it through the forks of your bicycle, maybe you don't have it. And maybe you don't have him. And maybe you don't get it. And maybe you're not a believer. If you look at, look at, at uh, Romans 12, 3, he says, for by the grace given to me, I say what? To what? What's the next word? Everyone. I say to everyone. He's talking to believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, what does he say? Let us use them. Let us use them. Why should this matter to you? This should matter to you and it should matter to me because it is unavoid, unavoided, unavoidably repeat, and repeatedly in God's word. It's unavoid, unav, unavoidably and repeatedly in God's word. Jesus, according to Ephesians 4.8, ascended into heaven and he gave gifts to men and women. He ascended. Jesus Christ came and he lived and he died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he sent his spirit to live and dwell in us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father awaiting his return. He is preparing a place for us so we can come again and be with him. And he said, I'm leaving the spirit with you. He has given gifts to men. Jesus his indwelling spirit in his people, his body, he has left these gifts to do and continue his work. So it should be important because the, the word of God tells us it's there. Secondly, it should be important because our failure to, to properly exercise our gift robs us of the joy of eternal usefulness. 
to say, I, I really don't care about what my gift is. It robs us of the joy of being used for things that will matter in eternity. Thirdly, our failure to exercise our gift robs others of the benefit that God intended to deliver to others through our gift. I've run across people and they say, you know, I just didn't make it to church. And I understand COVID. I understand there are some folks that are concerned and I respect that completely. I also understand some folks that are partners at our church hadn't been in two or three years. And some folks say, well, I don't go because I don't get anything out of it. Some folks say, I don't go because I get more out of watching a TV preacher. And I would say, have you considered the fact that your being here might be of some spiritual usefulness to someone else? <laughs> spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the body. So may maybe you don't like me. Maybe you don't like who preaches. Maybe you don't like somebody else here. But believe it or not, your being here might be of benefit to another that's how the Spirit works in the life of a, of a believer. And then fourthly, our failure to exercise our gift leaves others in the family overworked and the body weak and spiritually anemic. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He baptizes, he fills, he produces fruit, and he exercises gifts through the life of the believer. Secondly, what is a spiritual gift? What is a spiritual gift? There are a ton of definitions for spiritual gifts. There are four words, and if you want to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 12, and we'll bounce back and forth. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking um, um, in the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. We see four different words used there, four different Greek words used there. In verse 1, it is the, the Greek word pneumatikos, which is the, the, the word that is translated things of the Spirit. And so he, he says, I'm going to talk about things of the Spirit. And then in verse 4, he uses charismata, which is a term for spiritual gifts or spiritual abilities that God gives to the believer. And then in chapter 12 and verse 5, he uses the word service, where we get our word deacon from. And so spiritual gifts are people serving. And then finally in verse 6, he uses the word uh, energomata, um, and, and in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, again, verse 6, listen to what it says. It says, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same Spirit who empowers, gives energy them in every one. This word literally means effect or operation, and it always refers to supernatural work. The work of the Spirit through the believer utilizing the gifts that he has equipped him with specifically and uniquely is a supernatural work of God. Let me give you some definitions of spiritual gift. We've looked at a few words in the text. One writer, old writer, um, long past, I had his book uh, when I was in college back in 1982. Here's what Merle Unger said. He said, in the technical Pauline sense, gifts denote extraordinary powers distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating in the souls, operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit. 
So gifts are about divine grace operating in the soul of the believer, the interior world of the believer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is not, this is not like a, a, a toy. This is not uh, like a computer. This is something that is inclusive of the Spirit and His operation through the life of the believer. Another writer said this about spiritual gifts. He said spiritual gifts are God's power showcased through human activity. God himself working in and through us in ways that are concrete, tangible, and vocal. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. And here's where I've landed in looking at the text on a definition. A spiritual gift is the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit manifesting himself through the life of the believer in the form of specific abilities that have the power to and the goal of building up the church and engaging the mission of God. So that would be our definition of a spiritual gift. A a third thing to consider is this. What is the context of spiritual gifts? And this is This is critical. In other words, you can say, I've got spiritual gifts, but what is, the, what is the context? And Scripture makes it very clear. The context is the condition of our heart as it relates to how or if gifts even can be exercised by the believer. So what is the context? And, and here's what we see in 1 Corinthians, uh, several chapters, particularly 10 through 14, and in Romans, he spells it out specifically. But we know the problem at Corinth. And, and I, would say, I would say to you, anybody that wants to run to Corinth and, and, and cherry-pick verses and let that form your theology of the Holy Spirit or let that form your theology of the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to be in big trouble because the 1 Corinthians was written to a messed-up church. Now, that gives me great comfort, amen, because we're not a perfect church. And I'm so glad that Paul didn't say, I'll tell you what, guys, that church is so messed up. You pastors need to step aside. Amen? I'm so thankful that he's addressing. And so here's, here's what's going on at Corinth. Paul is addressing a, a, a believers who are profoundly selfish and self-centered. You go to chapter 10, they, they, they uh, were struggling with eating um, um, meat offered to idols before weaker brothers. And they're like, I don't care, man, it's meat. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to affect him, but I'll tell you, I got it cheap, bro. And I'm a, I'm a good steward. So I'm going to, and then you come to chapter 11 and you got folks rushing up and grabbing all the good food at the, at the love feast. And they're not concerned about the people who have lesser means. And then you come to chapter 12 and you've got the people who are bragging about their spiritual gifts and comparing themselves to other people and their spiritual gifts thinking that they're better. And so we, we got to understand that, that the, the context of spiritual gifts is selflessness versus self-centeredness and selfishness. Selflessness. He spells it out very clearly in um, Romans 12. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, what, what, what are you saying to us? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. What's he saying? He's saying be self-aware. <laughs> when you think of yourself, what do you think? When you think of yourself, what do you think? He's saying try to objectively assess your self-thoughts. How does what you think of yourself impact your relationship to the Holy Spirit who is within you and those to whom you have been connected to in the body of Christ? There was an old song years ago, and some of you can relate to it, a few of you older people. I just checked in to see what condition my condition was in. And, and Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12, why don't you just check in to see what condition your condition is in, but understand that, that we normally think more highly of ourselves than we should. We normally think more highly of ourselves than we should, and so he's saying be careful. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Work to get to a place of self-awareness that brings you to an accurate conclusion while recognizing that our normal tendency is to think more of ourselves. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul begins addressing this issue of gifts, and what does he say? We need to be people who are people of humility people who are selfless, people who consider others before we consider ourselves. He said the same thing in Philippians 2, let not this mind be in you, uh, or let this mind be in you, which was also the mind of Christ, which was a mind of humility. And if you go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, which also deals with spiritual gifts, he does the same thing. Think about yourself and think about how you think about yourself. And don't think too highly of yourself and don't think too lowly of yourself. Try to get an accurate assessment. Try to have some self-awareness. Do a checkup on your spiritual condition. Strive to live in a context of accurate self-assessment. Strive to let your, your conclusions land you on the side of humility and not pride, especially in the context of spiritual gifts. Serving, service and serving and in relation to others to other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that we have been called to serve. He also talks about a measure of faith that's debatable as to what a measure of faith is, but here's what I believe he's saying. I believe that he's saying that, yes, the Spirit is in you, and yes, the Spirit has, is going to be operating through you, and it is going to be powerful, and you're also going to be given a measure of faith. You're going to be given faith to operate in proportion to the gift that God has given you. Again, that's debatable. Um, some would say that the measure of faith is, is believing, saving faith, and that very well may be true. But the point is this, that all that we need to be and do to be who God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do and to relate the way that God wants us to relate has already been given to us comprehensively by God. It is living and it is indwelling in us as we sit here this morning. Fourthly, what are the spiritual gifts? He tells us in the text, if you'll go to verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. And he goes through a list of gifts. There's also a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians. There's a list of gifts in Ephesians 4. There's a list of gifts in 1 Peter chapter, um, 1 Peter chapter 4. 
all of the gifts are in some ways overlappable. Ephesians 4 is dealing with um, probably uh, gifts, uh, offices that per perhaps were in the early church and are in the church today. But what I would like to do is just deal with, with Romans chapter 12. The, the gifts can be broken down into three sections if you're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, or they can be broken down into two sections if you're looking at Romans 12. Romans 12 would give us speaking and serving gifts, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 would give us sign gifts, speaking gifts, and serving gifts. Again, uh, my concern is not how these gifts may shake out or necessarily how they might be defined or debated. My concern is that you understand that the Spirit of God is living in you, that the power of God is living in you, is operative in you if you are a believer. And that has massive significance for your life together in this body of believers and how we are connected together for the glory of God. First of all, he mentions prophecy. And prophecy is an active enablement to proclaim God's word as already written. And he delineates it out uh, through the text in uh, a, a lot of different uh, ways. I'm not going to take the time to read that at this point. Prophecy, many times we would consider it preaching, but anyone can be enabled by the Spirit. It doesn't have to be in a platform context for it to be uh, prophetic. Certainly there were Old Testament definitions of prophecy uh, before we have Scripture to proclaim from, but God, prophecy is the active enablement to proclaim God's Word is already written. Secondly, in the text he mentions the gift of service. It's practical help in any way, shape, or form. I, interestingly enough, found a paper that I wrote back in, uh, 19, uh, uh, in the early 1980s when I was in college. I didn't even know I'd written it, and it was a position paper on spiritual gifts. And I believed at the time that my gift was the gift of service and may um, still believe that. It's someone who just, just wants to serve. I never imagined when I was 23 years old that I would ever stand before a church and preach and um, and you may be, um, maybe you could never imagine how I got here as well, and that's okay. Um, but but the, the gift of service is practical help in every form. And it's the, where we have the word uh, uh, diakonia or deacon. It's interesting if you go to, and we, we talk about deacons in Acts 6. It's interesting that the deacons are set aside for service. The deacons are set aside for service so that the Apostles could devote themselves to the service of the Word, of proclaiming the Word. It's all in one form or another a form of service, but there is a specific gift of service. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 calls it helps, and it uses a different Greek word for that. But it's folks that just want to serve and just want to help. I, I watched last week, as, uh, and so many people serve. So many people just, just love to serve. You take a guy like Chris Duncan, just loves to serve, and we've got so many men and women in our church that serve. But last Sunday, Easter Sunday, here goes Cheryl and Scott walking out. She's got a, she's got a, a tub full of toys she got out of the nursery. She's going to take them home and sanitize them. They came walking back in with them this morning. Just, and she, she looked like, you know, she had just seen, you know, all of America come to know Jesus. There was such joy in her heart at the opportunity to serve the body of Christ, to make sure that we can offer a healthy environment for our kids, which is a very loving thing to do. Um, the gift of teaching is the ability to interpret and present God's truth understandably, accurately, and convincingly, 
And I would also say with conviction. It's, it's a spiritual gift or ability that God gives people in his body that, that could happen in various contexts. Um, it could happen in life group. It could happen in DNA. Again, it doesn't have to be a classroom with a lectern and a chalkboard behind you. Fourthly, he mentions the gift of exhortation. Um, a, a same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. And it means calling someone to one's side. And the gift of exhortation could be advising or pleading or encouraging or warning or strengthening or comforting or persuading. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that when there aren't those or those who are growing weak, that we should encourage them not to forsake the assembling of themselves together, to spur people to action. That's what exhortation is. One definition is that exhortation is stirring speech. It's when you hear someone speak and you want to do something. Um, I'm not sure I have the gift of exhortation. My my mom's husband, uh, a wonderful man that, uh, that I love dearly, his name's Joe. And Joe will call me every Sunday afternoon. And early on, after he'd hear me preach, last week he listened to my sermon three times. Right? And after he heard me preach, he, he says, hey, he said, what do people do when you get through preaching? He said, he said do they clap? He said, what do they do? I said, they get up and walk out. Um, I guess I'm exhorting you, and that's what it makes you want to do, the gift of exhortation. Just you hear somebody that's an exhorter, and it, it makes you want to take action. I remember when I was in police academy a few years back, and, and I was running, and I was at the end of the line because I was the oldest guy running by at least 10 years. And a friend of mine slowed down, and he got beside me, and he said, come on, man, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. And believe it or not, I felt energy. I finished because of exhortation. He mentions in the text the gift of giving. It's not, it's not that you shouldn't give if you don't have the gift of giving. Everybody should be generous and everybody should be sacrificial. But this is a gift that gives sacrificially and liberally. It's a willingness to give up um, all that you have to help and to serve others. And you, we've run across uh, in our life someone that just has the gift of giving, just, just can't give enough, always want to help others, give in the strangest of ways. I've got a friend and his dad has significant resources and, and his dad is up in age, way, way, way up in age. And he said, son, if I give you my money, he said, you'll just give it away because my brother my friend has the gift of giving. Um, and then he mentions leadership. Um, leadership means moving in the right direction. Uh, the term for leadership here is that of a helmsman or a pilot or a person who steers, someone who provides direction, someone who influences others to follow. And we have gifts of leadership um, in our body and among our pastors. And then finally, uh, the gift of mercy. And mercy is actively demonstrating empathy that produces real comfort. And my, how the body of Christ needs mercy and leadership and giving and exhortation and teaching and service and prophecy and all of the other gifts that are mentioned in the word 
of God and then some. Some would say, and this is the debate, some would say that part of the gifts have ceased. Some would say that all of the gifts have ceased. Some would say that we only have the gifts of faith, hope, and love. People would say a lot of different things. And I'm looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, and I just want to be faithful to proclaim the text. And um, all four of the lists that I've mentioned to you all agree on several things as it relates to spiritual gifts. And I want to give that to you before we come to a close this morning. Um, the source of gifts is God and his grace. All texts agree on that. The gifts are the presence of God operative in the life of the believer. Not God from a distance dispensing gifts. Not God treating us like robots. But the spirit living in us, the source of gifts is God and his grace. It's the presence of God and the presence and power of his grace active in the life of every believer. The purpose of gifts is to build up the body. And there are a variety of gifts and perhaps more than Scripture has given us here, but we're going to stick with what Scripture says. The final question I'll ask you this morning is, is this. What is your spiritual gift? And I'll take you back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Let us use them. Let us use them. If you are regenerate this morning, if you are a believer, you have a spiritual gift. If you are regenerate this morning, if you are a believer, you have a spiritual gift. Here's what I would, I would ask you to do this morning. I would ask you to be curious. I've not given a comprehensive message on spiritual gifts. We're going to try to uh, probably at best touch on spiritual gifts in a six or eight week series. But here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you to at least take your hand and put it on your chin and say, hmm, hmm. Can, can you, you don't have to do that literally. But could I ask you this morning as the body of Christ, could I ask you at least to have some curiosity about this issue, this subject, this reality of spiritual gifts? And it ought to really be more than a curiosity, but let us begin with a curiosity this morning. This is interesting. I need to learn more, and I want to experience this realm of relationship and usefulness. Not only be curious, but, but be available. Be available. Just, just be available. Just ask yourself, how am I being how am I being, how, how is the Spirit of God operating in my heart and how am I making myself available to this body of believers, to other people in this body? There are, uh, uh, there are a ton of needs. There are a ton of areas of service and we need you to connect to the Spirit that is in you and to the gifts that are in you and to the power that is in you. And we need a group of people that say, what, what can I do? What can I do to help? And what can I do to serve? Then, then be, also be committed. He has entrusted his work here in this region to us. That is why he has given us gifts. And I would ask everyone in this body of believers to commit themselves to the, the, the work of Christ through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit because of the, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's operative in every one of our lives. Before we finish up, um, we're going to hopefully provide an online spiritual gift test that may help us with that so that you can find out where the Lord would have you to, to serve. Um, a few weeks ago, I found myself in a, uh, 
a different city, and I always take two things when I go anywhere. I take my pillow and I take my box fan. I got to have my box fan. And I'd gone through a couple of nights without my box fan, and I'd gone a couple of nights with my head feeling like when I put it on the pillow, it was sinking somewhere close to China when I laid down. And so I said, I'm going to Walmart. I drove 28 miles to Walmart, and I bought me a pillow, and I also bought one of them silk pillowcases to go on it. And it was late in the afternoon, and I had some things to do that evening. But, man, I got there, and I got my pillow out, and I squeezed that extra, extra fluffy pillow in the pillowcase. And I started getting my... I, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just going to get this fan out, and I'm going to turn it on, and I'm going to take a nap. And I got it out, and, man, I, I, got, the, uh, I got the legs put on it. Um, you know how those little legs are? And, man, I set it up, and I put it right beside the bed there, and uh, I plugged it in, and I turned it on, brand-new fan. And I said, this is weird. It's not making any noise except for a motor noise. Kind of turned it up in my face, and I said, this is weird because this fan doesn't have a blade. <laughs> brand-new fan, brand-new fan. This fan's a lot like the church. We can, we can build buildings and we can have services and we can have activities. But if the Spirit's not working, <laughs> you don't really need everything else that goes with it. If the blade is not working, you don't need all this stuff. You see, I realized in that moment... <laughs> that I never really knew how valuable a fan blade was. I never thanked God for my fan blade. And, and folks, listen, the fan blade is, is what's happening on the inside. It's the spirit that's working inside of us. It's the spirit that is empowering us. It's the spirit that's working through his people to provide the cool breeze of the, the truth and for the people around us to see our love for them and our love for each other. It's the spirit that does that in the life of the believer. And if you're not curious and if you're not available and if you're not committed and if you're not wondering, if you're not seeking ways to be used by the spirit of God among his people and in his body, then this church is no better than a fan without a blade. How valuable is your spiritual life to you? How valuable is God to you? How valuable is Jesus Christ the Son? How valuable is the Spirit? And do you realize how valuable you are to Him, so much so that He called you out of the world into His body to fill you with His Spirit, to give you gifts so that He can be glorified through His people in Locust Grove and in Jackson and McDonough? Every week at South Point, we take juice and bread. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ that was given for us. Our sin was placed on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and God killed His Son as payment for our sin God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
This bread represents his body. This juice represents his blood that were both given for us. Have, have you dealt with your sin in your life? Have you dealt with your offense against God through Christ or are you choosing it to do it on your own through your energy and your flesh and your efforts? If you've trusted Christ, we invite you to partake of communion. We also understand that he died, he ascended, the Spirit has come, the Spirit lives in us. We are the body of Christ and we are awaiting his return. So we look forward to that day when we'll drink this anew with him in his kingdom. I would encourage you if there's sin in your heart and life that you confess that. I would encourage you if there are broken relationships that you would restore those. I would encourage you if you're not a believer, don't partake this morning. But I would invite those who are believers to remember the Lord by uh, observing uh, this ordinance this morning. Jesus said, take and eat, this is my body. And he said, drink ye all of it. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit of God, we call on you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death, your burial, your resurrection. Father, we thank you for loving the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son. I thank you that you've called us out of the world into this body, and I pray that you would awaken those who know you, Lord, to the beauty of your presence, to the beauty of your power, and to the beauty of what you intend to do through a body of believers in a place like this. In Jesus' name I pray.